Live from the Talking Joe Studios. It's Talking Joe. Talking Joe Weekly Podcast. Talking Joe's there. Talking Joe thought we would last. Talking Joe is there. Find each other like a married couple. A podcast on the air. Talking Joe is there. Talking Joe is the codename for a completely untrained special podcast force. Its purpose, to produce a regular comic review show while breaking and replacing a series of presenters from across the world. Talking Joe. Talking Joe is there. Talking Joe. We are on our soapbox. Nobody seems to care. Fighting for fandom wherever there's trouble. The podcast on the air. Talking Joe is there. Talking Joe. Talking Joe. Talking Joe is on the air. Hey, 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 it's me, Mark, and welcome to Talking Joe, the best and longest-running dedicated G.I. Joe comics podcast that comes out on a Thursday. Uh, with me today is my co-host, a real American Tim. It's Tim Finn. Hi, Mark. Hello, listeners. Welcome, indeed, listeners. Good to speak to you once again. We're not going to have a big preamble because we've got important things to be getting on with, and today that is talking to Nitho Diaz. Nitho Diaz is an artist who has made a big impact on G.I. Joe in recent years. He's had penciler credits for 17 issues of G.I. Joe A.R.A. with uh, Larry Hammer, plus the four-issue silent option miniseries. His run started in 2017 with issue 246, The Dawn of the Arashikage, which introduced Dawn as the successor to Snake Eyes. Other issues include Special Missions Part 4 that feature Destro, the Artificial Intelligence Arc, uh, sharing about half of the art on Snake Hunt Arc with Robert Atkins, and most recently the standalone Untold Tales Part 1 that was in issue 276. Nitho's other professional credits include work on Dungeons & Dragons for IDW, Halo for Dark Horse, as well as Aquaman and Justice League for DC Comics and many more. So welcome, Nitho. It is good to have you on the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me to the show. It's it's our absolute pleasure. So tell us a little bit about what the situation is at the, is at the moment. Are you you're dialing in to us from all the way over for well all the way over for us, but uh, local for you, uh, Brazil? Is that right? <laughs> yes, uh, I do live in Fortaleza. It's way far way far from USA, but uh, thanks to internet, we can talk a little bit with. Yeah. And tell us, tell us a little bit what it's, what it's like, like there, give us a, give us a flavor of, uh, of your hometown. Well, there is a beautiful beach, beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to talk <laughs> beach here. Um, <laughs> it's hot as hell. Oh, crikey. <laughs> And there is uh, quite a few artists here, uh, such as Paul Rodriguez, uh, Alan Goldman, uh, both have worked at DC Comics. Uh-huh. And Daniel Brandão, 
we have studied uh, art Kubert School, great artist, and Geraldo Borges, who was my comic teacher. Your comic teacher? He is now working at Dark Horse. Going back to your your city, um, are there uh, is there a downtown? Um, are there yeah. th there are lots of buildings and lots of apartments and lots of people? Is it crowded? Yes, I, I do think there is the uh, São Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, then Fortaleza. Okay, so the yeah. uh, the third major city. Okay. Yes. There is, is a Chinese word, I'm studying Chinese, so I may be a little confused here and start talking Chinese with you guys, sorry. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm near Boston, and Boston has Chinatown, uh, so uh, all, all these major cities have that, you know, that area of, of one particular nationality or another. Yeah, there, there is some here, too. We... Uh, I do believe that there is about a thousand Chinese here. It's not that big, but we can chat with them a lot. And and what led you what led you to study Chinese? That might sounds quite unusual. Yeah, I I love the language. Uh, I think is is beautiful to hear, and uh, I want to talk with him about uh, Bible and stuff. So some of them can't speak Portuguese. And as you as you guys can see, my English is just terrible. So uh, I decided to speak Chinese with, uh, which I believe is much better to to learn. Oh, right. Okay. It's, it's, it's actually think it's, easier. You think it's an easier language? That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and and you mentioned you mentioned it that it's hot as hell where you yeah. are at, at the moment but i guess i guess for an artist that's the temperature's quite important cuz cuz things like the temperature the humidity they're going to do strange things to your paper and you know if you're getting you yeah. know sweaty hands and that the, that's, yeah, that's going onto the that. paper and things does is that an issue yes a big one uh, uh my hands uh, keep sweating and it, it kind of destroyed my paper oh no so i use some of the papers to protect the actual board uh-huh yeah like like leaning on leaning on more paper to protect yeah. the board as you're as you're drawing kind of thing yeah which makes me way too slow <laughs> could be way faster without that I think every artist wishes wishes they were about ten times faster, right? How how fast or slow are you? How long does it take to pencil a page to ink a page? Well, I I don't ink my interiors because my ink style and my pencil style is very detailed. So mm -hmm. I decided to do just pencils. Actually, actually, in GI Joe to uh, 250. I tried to ink my work and it did not work it out. <laughs> it was yeah, way too look. slow. We needed two more inkers to meet the deadline, the deadline. Uh -huh. 
I see, yeah. Because that that it's credited to the in, the Incas for two fifty are credited to to you plus Alison Rod, Rodriguez and Thiago Gomez. Yes. So yes. a mix of uh, three three Incas on that on that one. Yeah, but my pencils uh, do take like uh, five hours long to finish a page. So you can comfortably draw a whole issue in one month. But uh, I, I don't do more than, than five pages or six pages a week mm -hmm. because I do have a lot of pen in my bag, in my hands, so I have to rest a lot. Okay. Do you, uh, do you stretch or exercise for your, for your back and your neck and your hand? Uh, not as much as I should, ah. <laughs> but... Before uh, this pandemic thing, I uh, used to play volleyball and broke my, uh, I believe I broke like three fingers, something. Oh, that's not in, good. In my drawing hand, then I, I broke my hand, went home and started drawing a cover. Oh. Oh. And I give up in the half. <laughs> And ask someone else to ink my unfinished pencils back then. How how long was your recovery before you were drawing again? I had to to start again in like two or three days. Oof. Wow. With a lot of pain, but you know you have to work. <laughs> that's uh that's that's harsh. And 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 do you is your your hand it's it's recovered now? Yes. Thank God. <laughs> Absolutely. At least until I get back to volleyball and broke again. <laughs> and and obviously we're living in in strange times, you know, across the world with with the pandemic. We we yeah. over in the UK we we often hear about um, Brazil about the the difficult situation that, mm -hmm. that that's over there that you I think you guys have had it quite bad and and you've um, got got a leader uh, president bolsonaro who's who seems to be quite a divisive f figure and, and which is you know obviously a, a, a difficult di dynamic to, to to have if 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 it's not being taken you know seriously and maybe the way that it, it should how how are things at the at, at the moment is does it feel is it is it still feel very bad or or does it feel like things are on a on a route to to being a bit bit normal and kind of what's your experience been like over the, mm -hmm. the last couple of years as, as this we've been living in these very uh, unprecedented times uh, I do think it's going better uh, it's, it's getting better I mean mm -hmm. uh, I just saw some news about that and saw that I can get uh, vaccinated vaccinated uh-huh Yes, in like two months, uh, I am I am I'm confused with Chinese. Twenty <laughs> twenty eight years old. Uh -huh. So yeah, I yeah. can I can get vaccinated in like one or two months. Two months, which is great. <laughs> Will you have to travel far to get the vaccination? No. no. 
there is uh, I do think I can do that like two blocks away from my home. Oh wow! I had to drive forty uh, minutes, <laughs> <laughs> but also if I had waited a month, I think we mm. could have walked two blocks to get right. vaccinated. Yeah, there is a hospital right here, so if I die or something, we have help. Okay, that that sounds encouraging. And yes, you're still a you're still a young guy, so um, hopefully hopefully less uh, less to wor worry about uh, pers personally. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, we, we often sort of talk about people's origin stories when we're talking to them about how they got into both comics, but also specifically into G.I. Joe. So I was just wondering, you, you as a, um, uh, you know, as a youngster growing up in, in Brazil, what was uh, your early exposure to, to G.I. Joe? Because I know that specifically over, over in, in Brazil, uh, the license was held by the Australia um, toy company, mm -hmm. uh, and so they were creating their own line, um, sort of uh, that, that was branded as Commandos M Aco, which is probably pronounced incorrectly. But um, as a young guy as well, you might you probably probably too too young to miss that really golden age of the of the early mid eighties when when GI Joe was at its at its biggest. So so kind of when did you first encounter it and and be aware of it and, and did you did you get into it when you were you were a kid as well yeah fortunately my uncle i still have a lot of gi joes and he made in gray school uh then when i was a kid they let us uh i mean me and my cousin play with all of this then we uh he had some vehicles and mm -hmm. some figures uh i actually don't remember which figures they uh, they have, but we played a lot, a lot, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> those airplanes, those uh, his tanks, I love it. Mm -hmm. So it made quite a big Im impression from from playing with your your uncle's uh, toys. Yeah, yeah, that's my first uh, glance at the Joe franchise. Were you also watching the TV show or reading G.I. Joe comics? Uh, there is no G.I. Joe comics here in Brazil. And uh, I don't, uh, don't actually remember the TV show. Although I watched Thundercats, He-Man, and other famous 18th mm -hmm. show, but there is no G.I. Joe at TV. Not that I remember. Maybe before. Yeah. Uh, does I know that in in some countries it it was broadcast on television as Freedom Force. Mm. Um, but I don't I don't know which. No, uh, here in Brazil countries. they were uh, called like Commandos em Ação, right? Okay. Like Action Commandos or something, which is yeah, a really cool good. name in Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say that? Can you say that again, just so I can get the uh, I get get the pronunciation? Uh, commandos in action. Excellent. So commanders in in action is that? Yes. That, that, that's the translation. Yes. Cool. When you were playing with these toys, um, did you also go to toy stores, or were there um, larger stores that had that sold toys? 
Yeah, um, I actually still go. <laughs> I can still <laughs> uh, try to find some GI Joes here, but there is no, uh, there is no like, easy mission to accomplish. Uh, I haven't seen yet any classified figures here. Mm -hmm. And when I was when I was a kid, I, I think there was no GI Joe already. Mm -hmm. They have been extinct already. Uh, since you've um, got gotten older and worked on on the book yourself, have have you ever bought start bought some GI Joes or, or been sent some by by various people? Have you sort of built up a little bit of a collection now? Uh, I do collection now. The collector. Uh -huh. I have some, I have some figures. I actually bought that dreadnought, dread, mm -hmm. dreadnought with his motorcycle. I think it's Zartan, Zartan. Uh huh. Zartan. Okay. Cool. It's pretty cool. It's my favorite. <laughs> I have some superheroes nice. too, some GI Joes, and upcoming uh, action force from. Followers, aha, uh -huh. yeah. The uh, you're going to get sent some of some of the figures from the Valiverse Action Force. It's pretty cool. What were the first comics that you read? Spider-Man. That was drawn by Homita Junior, and the cover, this amazing cover by Scott Campbell. Oh yes. Oh, say so. The 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 those were the issues uh, around the late 400s and the early 500s written yeah, by J. Yeah. Michael Straczynski. Yeah. Yeah. So those were published in America around... 2004. 2004, oh, yeah. 2003. I, th I think here even, even earlier, I think those were 2000, 2001, 2002. Uh, maybe. Okay. It was a long run. To be because it, it, it takes uh, a year or two years to arrive here. Right. Uh-huh. Were a, you a, re, a reprint? Did you yeah. buy those at a store? Did you read someone else's copies? I got one and have just one for like uh two years and drown and drown and copy everything and learn how to that to draw those shapes from it does does and he does pretty well. And it helped me a lot to improve my skills. But before that, I remember uh, seeing some Joy Mad X-Men too, mm -hmm. and Ultimate Spider-Man, because my uncles uh, still got some comics. They have a lot of lot and lot of comics each month, so they keep giving me the Spider-Man ones. <laughs> Since I was a kid, they they got one they hear it hit it and then they gave it to me my my experience with gi joe comics is just like 10 years later about 2014 2015 or something okay not not too too much longer before you started working on the yes yourself then yes when i first saw uh, I remember uh, talking talking to my agent and asking him to try to put me in, into the book. So it made quite a big impression then. Yeah, 
Yeah, I remember Gallant was the artist back then, and I saw one of his cool covers. I don't remember which issue it was, but I love it that cover, and used it to do my version of that. Uh -huh. Then my agent asked me to do some interior sample too, and I didn't didn't want it to copy. To copy any page mm -hmm. so i asked him some script and he gave me some of chuck 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 dixon Dick, chuck dixon mm -hmm. and before i started i fired my agent he was robbing me and some others oh, no yeah I, I do believe he is in jail now wow if he isn't he should <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but in some of uh, our emails chain, I saw David Hedgecook, David Hedgecook's email. He was uh -huh. editor in IDW. Yeah. And I, I started to send him some, some of my artwork. I, I was hopeless, but he actually answered me and asking me to keep feeding him with more and more samples. Mm -hmm. So I did that for like five, six months. And so at some point he, he gave to me, he gave to me uh, a board game artwork to do. It was Escape from uh, same million BC or something, I don't remember. I had to draw dinosaurs and mm -hmm. so far I have never drawn any dinosaurs. It was a challenge for me, but I know what that means. I mean, if I do a good work, he would give me more. So I tried my best and he loved it. Then he asked me to do samples to work on masks, the upcoming series. The mask, the um, the like the eighties cartoon yes. property. Yes. Yes. So, it, it was a pinup, mm -hmm. and I did a terrible one. <laughs> 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 and he's a gentle, so he said, "Oh, it's looking good." But the sensor asked someone else, and I lost the job. Oh. Uh, then I keep sending him another of my samples and he asked me to do samples for Dungeons and Dragons. He said to me it was it need to have some humor elements mm -hmm. which was new for me because I had never worked with such a thing. And I did two pages and they like it. I got the job. When I finished it, David said to me that he have shared uh, some of my samples with others editors, and uh -huh. they like it. So Tom Waltz asked me to do first strike uh, backup story, yeah. yeah, which have some GI Joe characters, including Destro, which is my favorite. Uh -huh. And 
I did my best because I knew that could be my chance to get the actual book. So I did my, my best efforts, even it uh, haven't looked that great. But then when I finished, Tom Ott sent me an email asking me to do a Diageo book. Wow. And it was awesome. I mean, it, it, it was quite a quick tra trajectory by the sounds of things that you're, you're sort of working on some samples fairly quickly. You're given, uh, a, you know, something small to try out. Then you're, you're on your first book, second book, and then, you know, onto a, you know, quite a big book in terms of uh, yeah. working on, on the main G.I. Joe title within a very short time period. Yeah, it's quite unusual. I mean, uh, but when they asked me to do G.I. Joe book, I was, oh my God, it's unbelievable. I finally got G.I. <laughs> Joe and I have to do some uh, characters design for the new, the new Snake Eyes. And Larry have sketched the the major details details of her costume, mm -hmm. but Tom asked me to do some changes, which I was quite comfort comfortable to do. Mm -hmm. So I did. They approved it, and he asked me to ink my my original character design he he would use it as a cover but mm -hmm. i i thought it myself it's my first cover <laughs> mm. i wanted something awesome here <laughs> I, I need to make my name now so uh i started another uh, couple layouts and shared with him some of my ideas and he loved it. Then he approved my cover, my pencils. Then in the final book, they have my pencils variant cover, my inks variant cover, uh, and different colors. There's like three or four different covers with only drawing. And it was like a dream come true. Can we go back a step um, before you were sending your samples to David Hedgecock at IDW. And that's not a name I think uh, many G.I. Joe fans are familiar with. Uh, he, he was an editor at, GI, uh, at IDW, and then later he was uh, associate publisher. But um, what, what is it about G.I. Joe that made you want to draw it so much? Um, the action the ninja stuff i i knew that larry works in marvel way style so i knew that would be such a great challenge for me and at the he, book he's he's writing the plot not a not a full script yes okay and as as i was uh, looking through the book i saw some great action great scenes and imagine how it would look if I was drawing it. <laughs> and it got me quite excited. So 
too sad that I couldn't drown too much snake eyes, the original snake eyes. Because I really wanted to. But we have some flashback scenes, so that was good. <laughs> yeah, I mean you had you had three snake eyes to draw. You had the original snake eyes in the flashbacks, you had Dawn, the the, yeah. the new you know, cover star of your first issue. And then you also had uh, the throwdown Snake Eyes, who, you know, looks very similar to the original Snake Eyes yeah. as well. So it's uh, Snake Eyes a go-go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do think that my first take on the original Snake Eyes, that was not a flashback, it was my last issue. Oh, yes, of course. The uh, Untold Tales. Yeah, it's too bad. I love the the visor. Looks so cool. Yeah, and you were you were able to to um, hide a little Easter egg in that. Is it almost the last panel of the book um, in in the visor? A little detail with the the number of the issue where Snake Eyes um, had died. Two hundred thirteen, I believe. Was that your Was that your idea, or did that come from Larry's plot? My idea. <laughs> nice I, I actually uh, do that a lot there's a lot of easter eggs uh, sprayed at my G.I. Joe pages and uh -huh. it my, my some of my pages I don't remember which one was uh, G.I. Joe 275 is the, the last is Nate Hunt's issue, and there are some some there's a, a splash page. Uh, we can see Springfield and some papers flowing around, and uh, I put some Easter eggs up there too. Oh yeah, I've just I've grabbed I've grabbed it now. Yeah, you're leaving Springfield, a nice little town, and there's yeah. Some newspapers flying around. We've got uh, War Question Mark Untold Tales Two Seven Six News in IDW Teenager Missing. Uh, oh, this says Megan. So is that a shout out to Megan Brown? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so it says African News. Uh, because I knew uh, already about Sherlock. Aha. Uh -huh. Oh, two eighty one. Yes. Yes. Because at this at that point, uh, Waltz have asked me to do that New York, and I wasn't able to, because I uh, back then I was already signed up to another job. Ah. So I had to turn it down. Can Can we ask what that other job was? I fortunately can't share yet. Aha. <laughs> But it it is written by Andy Lanning and Ron Mars. Who who's the first Ron Mars? Who's the first name again? Andy Lanning. Oh, Andy Lanning. Yeah. Yes. Uh, all right, that that narrows it down. I could guess a couple publishers uh, that might have those two <laughs> uh, writers make a story. Yeah. But I bet you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> because it, uh, it, it, it's actually not a comic publisher. 
Okay. It is some uh, game, board game publisher that decided mm. to to make it into a comic book, a, a original graphic novel. Are you still working on that project? Did you finish it? Yeah, I'm doing the issue three. Okay. Oh, how, out of how, four. Okay. Do you have your project after that figured out? Um, I had, I had, <laughs> but I lost it last week. Oh, I'm sorry. Eh, too bad. Hmm. That happens. <laughs> um, do, you, do you think you'd want to return to, to G.I. Joe someday or uh, you want to do something uh, new and different? I'm not closer to G.I. Joe. I love G.I. Joe and definitely would go back. But our schedules have to work just fine, you know? Mm -hmm. And that, that's quite hard to happen because G.I. Joe's schedule is crazy. Yeah. I was going to say, I love the story that uh, Robert Atkins told about working on issue 275. He said that... Um, you uh, he started working on 275 and then you started working on 276 the untold tales issue uh you finished your issue he was <laughs> he was not even halfway through it yeah. and you came in and fin finished it off uh so you did like one and a half uh issues in the in the same time that, that it took him to do um his his half the issue yeah i i actually didn't know back then i was uh going back to help him so i worked pretty slow i was doing like uh like four pages a week or something i could do i could do way more but you know my last issue schedule is great so let's do something cool here in issue the the last snake hunt issue there was a lot of splash pages in lot mm. and a lot of characters yeah that takes a while to do i understand yeah i mean robert spoke about how challenging he found it to uh to do that single you know splash page image to tell you know to tell the story because you you as an artist, he you know he didn't have the tools to be able to show that kind of sequential, you know, progression of the the story. He had to freeze frame a particular moment, decide what angle, you know, all of these things, yeah. which um, made was quite um, quite challenging from a decision making you know point of view. Yeah. Where how to how to approach each each page was it? Did you find a similar sort of thought process when you were doing yours? Yeah, uh, and by the way, so sorry, Robert. Uh, I didn't know about this word and kind of screw up drawing a different word. But yes, it's, it's quite challenging because uh, we don't have that much time. So uh, I need to finish my pages. You have to finish years and you have the same schedule to do that so uh, when I, I have a major question I do it and wait for him so meanwhile 
I do another page. But I, I do like to work doing progressive pages. Page one, page two, page three, page four. Mm -hmm. So it keeps me excited to do some splash pages in the future or some cool pages I want to do. But, but you know, some mistakes happened here. Uh, I remember people saying that there was a lot of zombies around there. <laughs> some dead characters that come back mm -hmm. to life. That, that's not my mistake, but I did some too. <laughs> yeah, you un unintentionally drew a few zombies. Yeah. <laughs> but when, when I was working on Snake Hunt, uh, I remember thinking, thinking myself, you know, I'm mean, working with the major G.I. Joe artist. How the heck can I match his work? So I uh, tried to do my best pages, some detail pages, some cool layouts. And in the last issue, we have some amazing, cool splash pages to do. And I remember having like two days to do one in particular. It was some with uh, Destro flying around and some trucks down there uh-huh yeah i'm looking at it now yeah it took a while to do a lot of things happen and you have to constantly checking out the references mm. to keep consistency as much as possible for reference you're using pictures of toys on the internet or yeah. toys that you own or comics that IDW has sent you? Uh, I use whatever I have in, in, in my hands. I mean, if I have to, down, to drown Destro, I have the figure, but uh, I don't have the figure for those trucks or for that uh, Destro flying thing. I don't remember the oh, name. The, the, the despoiler? It's the eight, the anti-gravity pod. Oh, sorry. The, the, the AGP. Yes. I don't have that. So uh, I remember searching, googling around and find <laughs> some. Uh, but, but, you know, when script says, uh, here are uh, snake eyes. Duke and Falcon school, but when started to say another of for me, uh, G.I. Joe, I don't know, that's quite hard to find cool references because sometimes there is, there is a Tiger Force version of him, so I don't know which one I should use. So I use the one I look, uh, I do think it looks cooler, and when, um, when you we sort of heard about the original idea behind that snake hunt art where they're looking to include, you know, every single Joe and Cobra ever. Did, did that fill you with excitement or a bit of horror and terror that you might have to draw so many different characters or a bit of both? When I first heard about that, I saw that Hobart would work on it. 
so I feel bad for him. You know, <laughs> he, he had a lot of research to do. But after issue, his fourth or his second issue, Tom Waltz asked me to help him out. So I thought it myself. Now, now I am screwed. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's a job. You gotta do what you gotta do. Do you keep a schedule every day? Do you wake up at a certain time and start drawing? Or do you drink coffee first? Do you draw at night? What is your schedule? Uh, I wake up like 10, 11 morning and each it's something and start working and stop to lunch and like one hour later I'm going back and just stop when I finish so I usually work like uh, five hours a day or six mm -hmm. it depends of how much details there is in the page yeah so you're saying you sort of do about a page a day and a page takes you about five or six yeah. hours so that you know compared to to some of the dis discussions that i've had with various artists that sounds relatively fast so so have you always been able to kind of work at that kind of pace or or, or have you know is that something that's developed over over time that you've been able to to speed up as as you've kind of got practiced or yes you know um uh, like uh four months ago i was waiting for this work and work this work i'm doing and i was waiting for the script and it was really late because some licensor uh changed so i got another job and got another and when I saw myself, I was doing three issues. And it was crazy. Some, some weeks I was doing like eight pages uh, in a cover at weekend. Eight pages pencils and cover pencils and inks per week. Mm. Which is crazy for me because I, I do like to do uh, the pilot pages. So when I have to do too much, too many pages. Uh, it's impossible for me to do the style I want to do. Uh huh. Uh, you you can see that at GI Joe. Uh, if you look at issue two hundred sixty one, the first artificial intelligence. It was very detailed. It was it was my first issues. But if you look at issue uh, that are last issue, 264, 65, yeah. Yeah. it 65. was way less detailed and very rushed because of this, okay. this schedule. So, you know, if you take more time here, you lost some time there. This, this brings a question to my mind. You drew a cover for the new printing of the yearbook. Yeah. With uh, Duke and Deep Six and Mutt and the Sky Striker behind them. And 
that cover is supposed to remind us of the original artwork. Yes. So your drawing is a little more cartoony to look like Michael Golden's original cover. And of course, it's a it's a different angle on the same characters in the same place. Yeah. And that cover has much less detail than your other art, but it still it still feels authentic and looks really satisfying. And I'm hearing you say that you want to have a certain style and a lot of detail. Is there is there a happy medium where like the G.I. Joe yearbook cover, you could draw uh, less detail, but know that going in from the beginning and it could be consistent through the whole story. And then maybe you wouldn't have to, uh, you know, work that extra hour or, or on the weekend. Actually now, like that cover, uh, I'm focusing on characters, you know, uh, at that cover, there's, almost non-background so you can focus on characters and draw them very nicely but in the actual interiors you have to draw background it, it it's important for the story so interiors uh, sometimes takes way longer way longer than I, I wish it could I, I hear you on backgrounds and the importance of where everyone is. I think what I'm focusing on is the actual amount of detail in people's faces and costumes. Mm. When I think of your art in issues of G.I. Joe and in Silent Option, uh, I think of how energetic the poses and the faces are, right? I can mm. tell that you are interested in drawing the action, but I also think of, of the fine detail. There are many small thin lines on uh, clothing and on helmets and on weapons. And uh, as much as I like that, I love all of that detail, but I also find a lot of artistic styles that have less detail to be just as satisfying, which is why I bring up that yearbook cover. When I when I look at that yearbook cover, it doesn't feel like a compromise. I don't think, oh, Nitho didn't have as much time. It it's just it's like apple pie or cherry pie. You know, like one isn't better than the other, it's just different. <laughs> First, thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> second, you know, uh, when I ink myself there is easy way to make it look uh, not rushed, but when someone someone else inks you and someone else uh, colors your work, it will definitely look different from what you imagine in first place. So uh, I'm still trying to. Uh, to find the balance, you know, between details and and cool, stylistic something I could do and meet the deadline. The deadline. Right, right. And and talking about your 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 style, I mean that the style the style, you know, your personal 
style it's it's, it's fairly dist- distinctive and, and very recognizable uh you know when you're opening the book that the, there's no doubt who the the artist is and it's a kind of it's a a slightly more dynamic modern superhero style and and um you know reading perhaps um the the j michael stragansky spider-man i can kind of see that superhero uh energy in, in you know as an, as an influence um i've mentioned before that that i see some sort of crossover in the style of um mike diodato jr mm-hmm. uh, in that marvel marvel style i don't know I don't know if that is uh, an artist that that you, you you admire or not, but um, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's it's a less traditional GI Joe style. When you think about GI Joe, you often think about the the likes of Rod Rod Wiggum, and it's a, a quite a kind of quite traditional, uh, you know, almost house style. Was was there ever a, you know a discussion with? editorial about the kind of style that that you'd, you'd use or, or you know was was that a discussion or, or was they just aware of you know from your samples how you drew and just let you get on with it um uh, i work it at gi joe for like three years so when i got to see my finished work i can see something i don't like and when I, when I see someone else's work, I see something I want to do like that. So for G.I. Joe, uh, some of my first issues in Down of Arashikagi, mm-hmm. um, I remember I've, I wanted to do something more stylistic and cool layouts, mm-hmm. something like that, like, like a puzzle mm-hmm. so because there was uh, some detectives and there was um, some investigation and I wanted to do layouts like puzzles like they were they are making it uh, putting pieces together but after after that I remember some uh, so John Hoyle work, and I love it. I'm huge fan of his work. So I saw that people love that too. Then I thought myself, if I do something like that on interiors, maybe people like it. So I tried that on Silent Option. Was my first shot on a more dirty style and more dimly, more image, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was happy with that. So when I go back to uh, G.I. Joe ongoing series, I try to keep that going on. And it was fun, you know, less, less, a uh, realistic style is way more fun to do. You can play with, with uh, characters' expressions and their bodies, the action, layouts, and everybody, everything. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things that I was just alluding to before was was kind of um, 
and I think Tim's mentioned before, it's kind of like the the dynam dynamism of, and the energy that you can see in in your in your pages, and in particularly not following a kind of standard square square grid. A lot of the time, the the grid layout will be quite you know unconventional, varying from page to page, and you know the the figures are almost breaking out from the 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 panel a lot of the a lot of the time. So it strikes me that you must be constantly challenging yourself to kind of think about the layouts of of the pages the that you know you're not just drawing out the grids and then fitting the figures in them it's it's you know trying to do something different every time yeah uh i try to be creative with my layouts because i hate to do layouts but i know how important <laughs> it is so uh also i remember when uh, i was dropped drawing the first arc uh, it was a painful for me to draw those weapons in guns in something and I remember someone pointing out that guns didn't look right right so in my next issues I tried to do it better mm -hmm. and in silent option, uh, I remember looking a lot of guns pictures with which helped me a lot and I could do way more violent and way more action and do everything I wanted to do on silent option and I do like that you know I do like I, I do think there was my my best issues yeah, and and the the thing about strike that's striking about Silent Option is, um, it does seem a lot more violent than a typical GI Joe issue or series. Um, was was that kind of uh, an in, in an intent going into it that it would it would be a slightly more mature inverted commas um, series that that there would be slightly more graphic violence, or is that just how the 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 story turned out and how you you interpreted it? Uh, actually, they asked me to slow down with that. But, slow it, tone it down. Yeah. Please uh -huh. don't do that much of blood. And, you know, I, I do what I have to do. If Larry <laughs> says there is someone shooting out at someone else, there will be blood. And I have to put that blood all in black, as mm -hmm. they asked me. But it happens. There was in scripts. Uh, I remember uh, there was a page with six panels, and panels on left was GI Joe and panels on right were people getting shooted at the breast, mm -hmm. the head, and exploding out, and. What the heck could I do? <laughs> so I tried to 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 slow down the blood, but the violence is there. Yeah, I mean the the grand finale of of that. You've got Firefly shooting uh, the villainess in in the face there, yeah. and it's <laughs> showing her there. Is and the dialogue says he shot off half her face. She's choking on her own blood and bone fragments, and her dialogue yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a 
there's a long tradition in American comics of um, making the violence less visible because of rules that were in place yeah. starting in the 1950s, like, you know, blood uh, can't be red. It has to be brown or black yeah. or um, you can't show the exit wound. And so famously, there are some comics where someone is getting shot or stabbed and either you just don't see the bullet or the sword go out the other side or it's covered up by a sound effect or if it's a sword, it's sort of poking the clothing forward <laughs> and not poking through the clothing. Mm-hmm. Or if it's poking through the clothing, it's not then covered in blood. And even though those rules don't really exist anymore in comics, um, sometimes they're still followed. Yeah. Uh, I still try to not to do that much of blood, that much of blood, but... Sometimes you you can't avoid it. I was going to say the 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 other memorable part of uh, uh, of the uh, on panel violence that we we saw with that 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 stuck with me was from uh, was from the dawn of the Arashikage part three to issue two four eight, which was an all silent issue, which um, kind of featured dawn up against some some red ninjas and and kind of flashbacks and you know par- you know paralleled back to to the silence issue 2021 and there's there's a i think in here it's a it's a panel where she she's got poking poking two swords through a, a red ninja and then using his his body to defend herself yeah. uh, from uh, an exploding grenade it was particularly uh, striking and gruesome <laughs> yeah did, did you did you enjoy those sort of those those sort of fairly gruesome action sequences. <laughs> uh, actually, when I uh, I got the plot or script, uh, I remember what McFarlane uh, always said. Try to make it look, it look as cool as possible. So <laughs> I tried to make a huge explosion and a lot of blood and a lot of dead. And it, it helps to you know to get the vibe of story and uh, there was another page at, uh the first artificial intelligence issue that uh bomb strike no the blonde girl yeah i think uh, is that bomb strike or is that cover girl cover girl yes mm-hmm. and she was ride some some vehicle and script says uh, she's arriving the scene. So I uh, remember thinking, how do I make it look cool? So I drew her coming through the wall and breaking it all in a huge panel on the page. Mm-hmm. So when script says something is happening, we need to think how to make it look even cooler, you know. So when he says there is violence, uh, it's it's very possible, it's very likely. Uh, uh, you put a lot more violence in there. I wanted to shift gears and ask you about where you work, 
and how you learned to draw comics. Um, so, uh, Hascuño Studio? Uh, Hascuño and Hascuno. Comic Art. Uh, they, they are partners. Partners, okay. Yeah. So, so they just get me the job. Okay. Uh, so they're your, they're your, they're, they're your representation. Yes. I mean, okay, it's not a it's not a studio where you go to work in a room with other artists. No. Uh, okay. I work in home. I have a mini studio when I work every day, and my wife works outside me. She as she is now colorist of comics. Uh, okay. So, I learned it as a kid. As I told you guys, my uncles are like nerds. <laughs> and they like all kinds of toys and figures and comics and of course drawing too so uh, they uh, when I was a kid I asked them a lot to draw for me and they draw a lot Spider-Man and X-Men and some other stuff and then I wanted to draw just like them uh, which now I believe they don't draw that good. <laughs> but, you know, it was fun. So when I, I was a kid, I saw uh, the comics, X-Men, Spider-Man, Avengers. Uh, they have some G.I. Joe too, uh, like uh, first issues or something. And... Uh, I keep improving my skills, trying to do it better and better, to look like uh, Joy Mad, Jorge Cruz, and Mike Del Dato, which I love it. Uh, at some point, I was just drawing for fun. I was a, a teenager, and uh, I didn't believe I could actually work with that. But my mother always believed me, so she sent my work to Mike. Um, she sent an email to him, and he said it was cool, but needs to study more, you know. So she sent to Daniel Brandão, which I early mentioned here, and he asked me to wait his studio. He had an art school here in Fortaleza. So he liked my my drawing and gave, gave me a lot of uh, script samples so I could work out on some interiors too. And a lot of, you know, books that I could study and improve my anatomy skills. But, but they his school was fully so i couldn't work or stood with him and he appointed up his friend geraldo borges then i started to stood with him which improved a lot of my skills back it then geraldo was working at green lantern back then on Green Lantern? Yes. Can you describe how you learned from Gerald Borges? 
I mean, he was, were you, were you, were, were you drawing samples and he was fixing them? Were you helping yes. him draw his pages? Yes, he was, he was uh, reviewing my samples. So some, sometimes he actually uh, get another paper and use some uh, light box and show me how I should do. And at some point you start realizing what he, he will going to fix. So you do that before him. And I remember I studied with him like uh, five months. Almost every day I was talking to him and asking uh, help. And when I finished it, I got my first job drawing, drawing comics for Silver Fox comics, some zombie story or something. It was like two, 2000. Uh, 11, 2012 is something. So your apprenticeship, uh, which lasted five months, were you um, going to his studio every day? Were you visiting him sometimes? He, he doesn't live in Brazil anymore. He's living in Chile, like South, South America. Okay. So at the time, were you... Were you sitting with him in, in the same room or were you mailing him samples? Because you mentioned a light box and, and fixing your yes, mistakes. Yes, I went to his studio to okay. comic class, but I was the only one to actually, you know, break in into comics and international markets. Those artists that you mentioned whose work means so much to you, like John Romita Jr., or Joe Matarera or Roger Cruz. Uh, do you still follow their work? Do you have time to look at comics and read comics? Or is is so much of your day drawing comics and then you wanna get away <laughs> from comics? Um, I try sometimes to read comics, but I don't have that much time. So I just look through it and looks people's work, I need to, to know uh, what has been publishing. So Roger Cruz is not working on Marvel anymore. He's doing his own stuff on comics. So it's kind of hard to follow. But uh, the Kubert brothers, uh, Geraldo, let me see what else. No, I, I keep following them on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, um, Joe Matarera left comics for video games and he, he came back yeah. very briefly a couple of years ago. That's way too bad, but you know, he's rich now, so. <laughs> <laughs> Why bother? <laughs> Have you. Um, are there conventions? in Brazil that you have attended as a guest or uh, as an exhibitor? Have you traveled to other countries uh, to be at a comics convention? Uh, only Brazil. Uh, uh, I was at the first com comic experience, comic comic experience in 2014. 
but have never going another. Uh, I I don't think it's worth it. You know, it's way too far, way too expensive, and at at some point you you see that you actually lost money. Uh, my work is not publishing here, so people don't know me. Is that a goal of yours to have your work published there? That'd be awesome. Uh, I do think there was just Aquaman and Justice League here. But G.I. Joe, First Strike, Dungeons and Dragons, and other stuff have never. Okay. Are there comic book stores where you are? Yeah. yeah, a lot. What are they like? Uh, not as good as USA ones, but, you know, there's comics, not too much girls. So it's pretty simple. Are they selling smaller. a lot of? Yeah. Okay, are they selling a lot of single issues or bigger books? Is it a lot of locally produced or, or Brazilian comics or foreign translations? Are there uh, toys and games? I'm. What are? What's a store near you like? Uh, here, here in my city, there was two big ones. There is a lot of comics, books, some figures, some statues too, and pretty much each. There's not too much, you know, Brazilian comic books there. Mostly mainstream comics. I, I actually from, from work, America. Yes, I worked okay. on the original graphic novel called Justiça Sideral. It was a Brazilian web comic. And we print, printed it in a four issues book, like a TPB, you know. But yeah, it's not easy to find. That is mostly mm. in libraries, something like that. Do you know how many copies were printed? Uh, two thousand, three thousand. Not okay, a very small. Yeah, yeah, small print run. The the goal was to print it and have it at someone's else hands, someone someone special, like someone at uh, Image or someone at Adibio. So we could make it happen outside too. Right. But it, it never worked out, sadly. In terms in terms of things that you'd like to to work to to work on and have work out in the in the future, where you know what would be your your dream projects? What what would be the you know the the project within comics or you know potentially beyond that that you would really want to aspire towards? There's quite a few, you know. I would love to do a Snake Eyes miniseries. Uh, I actually have talked about that with Snake Eyes Dead Game writer, Chad Bowers. Uh -huh. And he had that go too. We tried to make it happen, but you know, it didn't. But I still want to work on Spider-Man, on Batman, uh, Teenage, Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
mostly that. When when you work on big groups of characters, it's pretty hard. It takes a lot of work, a lot of planning to put them on the scene because there is the dialogues. So you have to to put on exactly place and remember it's a piece of art, so it it still must look cool. Mm-hmm. Even a lot of shady shady heads. It must look cool. So I actually prefer to work on one hero comic book. Yeah. Instead of big groups like Avengers or even G.I. Joe. If it was a Duke miniseries, a uh, Scarlet miniseries, Snake Eyes miniseries, I would love it. Yeah. And I mean, and maybe maybe it would be an easier sell if if Larry is able to get on board with the idea of a of a Snake Eyes miniseries, yeah. for example, that that is set in the ARA universe. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a, an extended untold tale, or maybe it's uh it's that you know something that that really puts a spotlight on on the throwdown version of snake eyes and we can find out you know where he is now following uh the events of snake hunts yeah uh but i believe with the movie coming out soon they will do that yeah it would you'd expect you'd expect them to do something right yeah absolutely and uh you said said before about kind of like the the weapons in the world of gi joe and you know how how that was a little bit of a challenge at first yeah. and, and you you kind of uh you know started using a lot more reference and trying to get them exact to, to make people uh, a little bit <laughs> happier with the all of the details so um did, did how did you uh how did you end up feeling about that side of things because you know what a big part of gi joe is that it's a military book there's a lot of detail in the costumes in the vehicles in the weaponry um is it is it something that you 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 continue to just find a little bit um, difficult and frustrating, or or did you did you kind of get into it and, and eventually start enjoying it, that side of things? Um, I do enjoy drawing these scenes because you know the storytelling is fun, but all the research there is a lot of it each weapon you see mm. in the comics there was larry specifically choose for that scene mm. so you have to find a good reference for it the right angle the right weapon and sometimes you find you use the same reference for uh, different characters but if you tap on google the name of the gun uh, sometimes there is a totally different gun <laughs> yeah. and I don't know too much guns details so it's really challenging but to find characters reference for the costumes the faces in hair it's fun it's fun for so that's fun so I can figure you- out how can I make it look cooler and you know, looking like it's not a, a scenes character to make it look like there is a today's character. Oh yes, yeah, so interesting. So you said not not like an eighties character, but but keeping it modern, it contemporary. Yeah. Because I guess yeah, a lot of the uh, 
you know, a lot of the characters and the classic looks for them were created in the eighties coming up for almost 40, 40 years. So, so yeah, interesting, uh, interesting idea that, you know, how, do, how do you incorporate that and make them, make them still feel modern and contemporary and, and cool in inverted commas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's the fun part. And, and um, I know that you've been very modest about your your English, and and let me, you know, say that that um, you know how impressed that I, I've been with your yeah, your um, your speaking on on this in, interview. That that it certainly doesn't feel like uh, you're str- struggling as a as a non-native speaker. You're you're being very um, articulate. Um, so, uh, so, so you know you don't you don't need to to worry or be too too modest. Uh, it, you know your English is is certainly um, very good. Um, and and has that has that element your your in your um your you, you, the level of your English has that um has that kind of reached where it is now as almost as a consequence of working um, on GI Joe and, and other comic books where so much of the the script and the communication is in English. Has your English improved a lot over the last few years? A lot, because uh, Larry's, Larry used some you know, very different words to describe the scene. Sometimes it's just impossible for me to understand. So I ask him to lay out for me. Uh-huh. But you know, I, I don't tell him, what the heck you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I ask, I ask gently, but and uh, I've seen I've seen a couple of um I've seen a couple of examples that Larry shared um I think from that that silent issue that we were talking about um possibly or maybe or maybe it was the the your very first issue there was a um uh, a splash page with um Dawn slicing red ninjas and and I've also seen a a page from. What was it from? I think it was artificial intelligence where um, the throw down snake eyes. There's a, a cool action sequence where I think he throws up his guns and reloads the uh, ammunition as, yes. they, as they come down again. Um, yes. Was that was that quite uh, how common was was that then that 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 you'd you know work with Larry and he'd he'd provide you with um, a layout idea to kind of help explain his concept. But I remember there was on scene in Silent Option, I believe issue true, issue two. They were at that uh, platform, mm-hmm. and there was they, they were they were moving like uh, actually soldiers does, and I don't know what what is that. So I actually I actually asked Larry's help, and it was page four, five, six, about page six, page seven of issue two. When is something very tactical, tactical? So I usually don't know what the heck it means. Okay. So I didn't. I didn't get the the word. He was describing something as tactical. Did you say? Yes. Uh, the the way they were moving. Aha. Uh-huh. Moving like uh, doing something soldiers does, like one protecting another, and mm. one like two in front, 
to in the middle to behind like right. six characters around uh, a corridor or something like that and yeah uh, in issue to uh, 176 he uh, let me check i have the issue here 176 on page there is the first page uh, Snake Eyes and crew face the villain the villain was up there if you guys have the book yeah I've got it yeah. let me see it there was uh, Larry layouts Larry's layout we can see villains up there on Panel one and panel two. Then Snake Eyes starts climbing up. Climb, yeah, climbing up the the scaffolding on this yes. cooling tower. Mm -hmm. This one is Larry's layout. Uh huh. His layout is more uh, conservative. It's more grading, you know, like old school. Yeah, they're not splashy. Yeah. My layouts are usually way different from from his, but I try to keep up. But yeah, was was generally that that process pretty smooth? That the language wasn't too much of a of a barrier. It always is, you know. Uh, but I read and understand better than I speak out. Mm -hmm. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I started to translate my own scripts, you know, instead of ask someone else, as I have done before that. On G.I. Joe and Dungeons and Dragons, I was already translating that for myself, which helps uh, a lot to understand, but doesn't help to speak. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a very, very different skill, isn't it? Sort of being able to read and being able to, yeah. to speak. Um, there was um yes there's quite a in, in English comics and in uh, you know over on my side of the world there was quite a big tradition of um fielding out um art to um to probably more Spanish speakers like in 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 Spain and probably even even in in Mexico that um where uh they just because they were cheaper and you know the comics publishers trying to save money by by sending out the the pages to be done by these um, these foreign artists who, you know, were very good, you know, um, but uh, and, and then there was a whole industry formed around that of these agencies who would you know get in the the scripts, translate them into to Spanish, and field them out to uh, to their artists, um, who would then you know work on them, send them back into their agency and and, and back into the the book, and there would be kind of no direct contact between the the comic the artist uh, and the writer they were all kind of completely uh, independent sort of you know working through this um this sort of uh, agency system and i don't think this kind of thing happens so much um to, today because there's a much more di direct relationship between an artist a writer and, and editorial but uh, but yeah so something from history there <laughs> no, at some point uh, people say to you, stop being lazy and go learn some English. And <laughs> they don't have translators anymore. In Rascunho, 
when I started to work with them in 2011, 2012, they have they had a translator, which helped me a lot. But at some point they have fired her. I don't know why. So uh, I leave it the studio and started in another in Chiaroscuro from Joy Prado. But it wasn't working out for me. Uh, we have different opinion of how, you know, the artist's career should be. So I leave it there too and started another being represented by another agent, which was, you know, a freak. And <laughs> I have to leave him and going back to Hascunho because of the partners, partnership with Comic Con Art of mm -hmm. Gord Shabu. So, so you I have to translate Sorry. my by my own. So you just mentioned Joe Prado and uh, previously Mark mentioned Mike Deodato Jr. And there's Ed Benes, these Brazilian artists who broke into Marvel and DC in the 90s and brought some other artists with them uh, or had studios. Mm. Um, is there a... Uh, so you're, you're self-taught until you apprenticed with uh gerald borges um but you you know it's not like you went to a comic book school like the kubert school right or or an art school is there a um is there a pressure amongst artists in brazil who want to break into comics to somehow work with the artists who have uh worked with the American publishers is there are there so many artists trying to break in that uh, there are many other studios because you've mentioned a few others that I haven't heard of before um, what what is your sense of uh, sort of how how big it is how popular it is and how um, some studios are uh, maybe more influential than others yeah I mean Kiaroscuro is definitely one of the big of the world but you know it, it's kind of complicated because different agencies have different policies so when artists send samples to someone to represent them uh, they have to know what they want to it's not work with comics if you work if you want to make money and support a family you have to work. Uh, doesn't matter if it's an indie pub publisher, if it's small client, or Marvel or DC. So big, bigger, uh, bigger studios like Kiaroscuro, big opportunities and bigger pressure because you are fighting with Ivan Hayes, with Ed Barrows with uh, Paulo Siqueira, they are the best now. So uh, you have to, you know, start small and and keep evolving until you get better works, better opportunities. 
which will pay better. Mm-hmm. Not, not sure mm-hmm. if I make myself clear here. No, yes, yes, very clear. So when, when I uh, worked with uh, Chiaroscuro, they wanted me to work for Marvel or for DC, but my work wasn't ready. So I have to leave to get work and support my family. And now I have someone else help me, but I actually get a lot of, lot of work myself because of Twitter, because of Facebook, or Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you send samples to Marvel, to DC, they probably won't even respond to you. So you have to, to need an agent to make that, that bridges, you know? Right, to make the connection. Yeah. You mentioned that your wife colors comics? Yes, yes. she is doing uh, cover she, right now. Has she colored any of your art for, for publishers? Yep. I did um, two covers for one for adventure comics and another for Terra, Terra something comics, uh, both American adventure comics okay. for Tony Kittrell. So I have actually drawn a entire issue from him last year of Titan, Titan, I don't know, Titan. And it, it was issue three. She, I did cover for issue four and she did the colors. He asked her actually. Cool. Uh, well, there are, there, there are a few husband and wife art teams. Uh, out there in comics, right? Writer, artist, or artist, artist, or artist, colorist. Uh, yeah, so a lot. Yeah, Alridge. I, I believe the most recognizable, recognizable, is Terry Dodson and Rachel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, like Mark just said the uh, uh, Mike Alred and Laura Alred, and then there's uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and uh, yeah, uh-huh. Amanda. Amanda Connor. Amanda Connor. Yes. Yes. Hopeful uh, can work less, and she works more. <laughs> well, um, I mean, b- besides besides the joke, there it is you were talking before about um, you can pencil a certain way, but some of it is up to the inker and the colorist. So it sounds like what you're saying is that if you can draw a little less because you know and trust the artist who's next to you to finish the artwork in color, it does take some of the pressure off. Yeah, actually, I I can ink and I can color, but I'm too slow to do that. So mm-hmm. when I see someone else over, over mine, I know how I wanted that to be. So <clears throat> I am a pain in the ass, I know that. But <laughs> uh, I try to give them some freedom too. So I usually work with Jagdish Kuma, which I love his work. And I let him do his stuff. He does great. But for colors, I usually am very picky. But when I work on G.I. Joe, I have never uh, seen colors before the final print, you know? When, when we finish uh, pencils, inks, and colors, and letters, 
uh, Tong usually share with us a PDF so we can see the full issue, covers and interiors. So if we catch something wrong, there is some time to fix it. But mistakes keeping keep keeping happening, like issue to like the, the last snake hunt issue. No, the first snake hunt issue. I was credited with don't hire cover. I, I can never jump that good. You you mentioned uh, Jagdish Kumar. Did you pick him? Did the editors pick him? How did you start to work with him? I did. Uh, I saw his work on the covers and started to follow John's uh, Facebook and Twitter's and saw who was doing the inks and tracking yes, him down on Facebook and asking him to work with me. Do you know where he's located? India. Wow. Yeah. And I don't speak his language. He doesn't speak mine. But we both <laughs> speak English one each other. It's crazy. Wow. J Jagdish Kumar, um, he normally inks digitally. Is, is, is that right? On the computer, not on the paper? Uh, yeah, traditional inker. Oh, he does do traditional links. Yeah. Okay. He does a beautiful job. I am still working with him on another project. Very good. I had a, I had a one random question, which was, uh, which was that I'm going to be talking to Paddy Lennon uh, tomorrow, and uh, he shared with me. The, the Helix and Cobra Trooper commission that um, that you did for him. Do you, do you remember that one? Uh, she was with a standing knife. over. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember. And <laughs> and I think he was joking. He was joking that uh, that um, she had just chopped off his his bits, his man parts. <laughs> I was wondering. I was wondering if he if he ever if he ever asked about that as part of the commission or or, or what what it was that he did actually asked you for. Uh, I don't actually remember what he asked okay. me for, but let me uh, share something with you guys. When I was about to do silent option, Tom Waltz asked me to do a new costume for Helix. Uh huh. He said it was about to be AHA, Judge of Real American Hero uh, chronology uh, costume. Mm -hmm. So I have to do something different from the original Chuck, Chuck Dixon series. And bothers me that no one else used that, that costume. That, the redesign. Yeah, that's supposed to be the... the a real American hero chronology design from hers. Oh. When when Hobbit uh, took over the G.I. Joe again for his snake hunt, he had to drown her on the first issue. And mm -hmm. I was about to drown her later when I stepped up to help him. And I asked Tom, which costume should I use? Hobbit use a different one. Should I match the one he's used? 
And he said, no, use the one you created. <laughs> so you guys perhaps have saw that. Yeah, interesting. I, I hadn't actually picked up on on that on that element. I, I noticed that the sword was different, but I didn't pick up uh, I didn't pick up the fact that Robert was using a different um, costume uh, design. I guess because hmm. a lot of the primary elements there in terms of the the color palette uh, is is you know similar. The the and I guess a recognizable costume that the eye you know reads it as yeah. it looking right. Without this is necessarily... something yellow is Halix. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and were there were there any other sort of behind the scenes stories of uh, the the creation of G your GI Joe issues that that you can remember that you'd like to to share? Uh, I remember we going crazy when people started uh, to say that was some dead GI Joe walking around on the book so we have discussed about that uh, behind the cameras and tom waltz came up with the idea to bring diana to help us mm -hmm. and she helped a lot i remember i did some pages and she pointed up is that is that someone i don't remember the name is that someone who is already dead so i have to redraw but even she have missed some details too because you know that a lot of characters a lot of things happen yeah. so mistakes keeping rolling on as issues were coming out but she she got credits on the book. Yeah, we we talked to to Diana, uh, was it uh, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, we found out a little bit. Yeah, it was a, it was a great chat. It was uh, really uh, interesting to to hear her her stories of you know what, her 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 kind of side of the the story about um, how, how she interacts with uh, you know the going ons of the of the book. It was yeah really interesting to. Oh, yeah. yeah, for some reason she doesn't like Duke. <laughs> I don't know why. Can't stand that guy. Yeah, <laughs> strange. Uh, I I remember Tom asking me to do the Sherlock arc that Andrew is drawing now, mm -hmm. and I wanted it so bad. Because you know it's a new character, a uh, yeah. new character. It's always important to that universe. So uh, I tried to to fill it in my schedule, but it didn't work out. But at some point, uh, I started to think with myself if I have, you know, got that job which design I would come up with mm -hmm. for the character. Uh, I, may, I may share that, that that week, this week, or maybe that next week on my Twitter. Oh, you, you, you do have an alternate take on Sherlock. I do have for my own. Okay. Is this something you came up with before you saw the final design or after? After. 
Okay, okay. Uh, I saw that he just like me have got some Larry sketches and have worked over it and updated it. So I will share my version over Larry's original design, not Andrew's. Yeah. But don't take me wrong, Andrew is amazing artist. I'm loving the preview pages I have I have you know seen around. Yeah. Yeah, and we're 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 both fans of the first issue, the first chapter of that story. Yeah, he's great. He's great, truly great. I'm very happy for him. Uh we, we noticed, you know, G.I. Joe has an anniversary next year and issue three hundred uh, is coming along in the future, uh, which seems like a good place to have artists back, if possible, who have uh, worked on the series. Um, maybe, maybe that's a place where you could return for a few pages or a whole issue. I would love that, definitely. But you know, it's up with Tom. <laughs> And and your crazy schedule, your your difficult, your schedule yeah. and the GI Joe schedule. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy, but you know, sometimes we can make it work. If it if it is uh, one shot, it's more likable. It's more likable. Mm -hmm. But I would love to uh, to, you know, to go back to GI Joe. I have uh, I have talked with with Megan sometimes. And you know, if there's some cover, some Giajo cover I can do, let me know. Mm -hmm. But she's not taking over Giajo stuff. She's just helping Tom, so so Tom does mm -hmm. make those decisions. But my cover is not that strong, like John Hoyer on Robert or Andrew. I think you're being modest. <laughs> I mean, I I will. Your, Sorry, go I was going to say, you know, the 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 likes of your very first cover on two two four six, and I think that was like instantly iconic. Um, so, so I think, uh, yeah, don't be too don't don't be too modest. Uh, I will agree with Mark that Nitho, uh, you draw exciting covers, but I think what I'm also hearing in your um, in your statement that you don't think your covers are all that strong. Uh, drawing covers is a is a different skill than drawing interiors, and in some ways it's easier because it's only one image. It's not four or five or six. Uh, it can often mean less background or no background. Yeah. Um, and it can take less time because there's one thing to figure out, not four or five or six things to figure out. But it's harder to draw a cover because uh, that cover has to read from far away. It has to uh, grab your attention. It has to leave room for the logo. It has to, uh, in some cases, like those splash pages in the final chapter of Snake Hunt, it has to both tell a story and also be sort of a splash page um, and also be uh, not too crowded um, and there are definitely some artists out there in comics who um, can do both really well. There are some artists who uh, draw excellent interior pages and have strong storytelling skills and who can 
draw good covers, but who don't compose sort of the best covers. Um, so that that is a that is a different skill. Yes, definitely. Uh, besides all the elements you mentioned, you have to you have to you know think about the composition. It have to look cool. It have to follow the rules. Uh, and very often there's a lot of characters to put on it. So it's not about do a cool image of them. You have to do a very cool and awesome image of them. <laughs> Be right. Because, uh, you know, uh, when they are at comic book shops, shelves, there are some other great comics, great covers, some Alex Ross covers. So which one will you pick? You will pick the one that call your attention. So if you have a strong cover, it means more sales. Sometimes at G.I. Joe, I have, uh, I remember asking me, Tom asking me to do one cover and I did for him like eight or 10 different layouts for a cover. Mm. And he picks like five. For Down Our Chicago Run, I did all layouts for all the covers for when we was about to do the first cover. And he asked me this one here, this one there, this one there. So he picked them out right there. And, and yeah, there's also something complicated about drawing a cover because uh, and, and this is something I don't think about. Um, nowadays, lots of comics, someone draws the interiors and someone else draws the covers. Yeah. Um, but, you know, historically for many decades, most comics, the person who draw drew the interiors also drew the cover. And if you have your monthly schedule worked out where you're going to draw, you know, one page a day, five days a week for four weeks you know that's that's 20 pages but if a comic back then was 22 pages you're also working you know one saturday and another saturday if you then also have to draw the cover um you have to build that into your schedule yes. and if the if the cover is supposed to be the most exciting thing it can be hard sort of like well i've already drawn a page today i have to start the cover and i'll finish it tomorrow night after i draw another page you know, when I'm tired from drawing all day. Uh, so another challenge in drawing a cover, if the artist is also drawing that issue, is just fitting it into a schedule. Yes, definitely. Definitely. When, when I was working on G.I. Joe, the book was always late. You know, there, there is a lot of problems that it's out of our control, out of Tom's control too. So... When you see a licensor book like G.I. Joe, like Cobra Kai, like Dungeons and Dragons or others, they usually are late on schedule because licensors sometimes takes a while to review the book. So uh, because of that, uh, on the beginning, you have a lot of time, but at the end, at the end, you don't have it. So when I uh, started 
to work on a Jojo book, the cover is the first thing we do. Because why while Larry is writing the story, I'm already working on the cover. Mm -hmm. You know? So yeah. it it saves some time later. Yeah, but you also have to design the cover not knowing quite exactly what's going to be on the uh, inside always. Yeah, that's why G.I. Joe have not, have not related integral score. Yeah, it's like the uh, the untold tales issue that, that you've got. You've got um, the, the same team that's in the book, you know, Stalker, Snake Eyes, Torpedo, Scarlet, but um, they're not they're not sort of invading that um, you know compounds that we see on on the interior with the cooling tower and stuff. It they, they, it looks like they're maybe in a I don't know hostage siege or something. They're, yeah. they're sort of bursting through the window. Yeah, that's what uh, Tom asked me. He said me was uh, about to going on the issue, uh, the team, the story, but. We didn't know where it was it okay. was going to happen, so I tried to figure it to figure it out, and you know, got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, not wrong, but <laughs> different. <laughs> uh, could could be yeah. better. Could be better. Yeah, I don't know that there was. Uh, if you weren't told, no way of predicting, right? I mean, uh, the John Royal c cover, I guess, as well, probably. Uh, was done in in mind of who would be on the interiors, uh, who, who the characters would be, because because this time we do have a general cover where the characters match the on the cover what's on the inside, and we've got torpedo, snake eyes, and and scarlet. But um, on that cover, they're in the you know in the middle of the sea, <laughs> in, and it's <laughs> raining. Then then definitely not in the uh, they're not definitely not in a desert somewhere. Yeah, definitely. So so you are slightly closer than than John at any rate. <laughs> <laughs> at least i got the team yeah you mean you match the people and uh that's that's definitely a start i think i've used up all of my questions and we've we've taken up two hours of your your time so probably uh getting to the cl close to the end now was there anything um tim that you wanted to to, to ask that we've not covered no i'm i'm also at the end of my list okay and and we covered many of many wonderful things i i hadn't thought of beforehand excellent so so nitha was there was there anything that um we've not spoken about yet that you feel that that we should so um any any t tales of uh, gi joe and and also um you know anything that we should be looking out for for you know work that that's coming out at the moment or coming out in the future that we should be uh, keeping our eyes out for uh well um i work it on bobby Vallas action for us that that G.I. Joe probably will enjoy a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, there is one, uh, you know, fired G.I. Joe there, and it's pretty cool. So you guys may want to check it out like next month. Uh, I won't return to G.I. Joe so soon, but it's definitely on my plan return to the book sometime. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for invited me and so sorry for my english so sorry no man. nothing to apologize for and you know thanks again thank you for 
Thank you for giving us so much of your morning and for sharing. This has been great. Absolutely. And uh, I think if people want to find you, is the best place Twitter? Yes, I'm always on Twitter, Facebook, and, you know, readily on Instagram, mostly on Twitter and Facebook. Cool. That's at, uh, at Nitho Diaz uh, with two Zs. Uh, where can people find more about you, Tim? People can find me at Instagram, A Real American Book, which I'm going to get back to now that it's the summer. Facebook, A Real American Book. But best of all, arealamericanbook.com. And so, yeah, I think that's all from, from us too. So next time on Talking Joe on the uh, Disavowed Show, we'll be talking about Devil's Due issue 20 and 21 is a two-parter called Closure featuring Mike Zeck on Art of One of the Issues. So looking forward to discussing that. And then we'll also be discussing the latest ARA issues as they come out. The next one will be issue 282, the second part of Murder by Assassination with art from Andrew Griffith. And you can find us in all of the usual places. Talkingjoe.co.uk is the website that has all of those places listed. Uh, the Facebook page, Twitter, instagram and our contact details it's also got a link to our patreon so big thanks to all of our backers richard sam jay bill and christopher and justin who are all getting early access to episodes as well as some exclusive content so big thanks to nitho for joining us but when all said and done you can catch us down the road because we've been talking Joe. And we're all out of Joes. Laters. And that is the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's great, guys. It's great. I love to practice languages and talking another language. Even I don't do that too well, but... It's great to understand what you guys uh, say. So we, because of that, we could we, we, we are able to have this conversation.